With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, Potterless has a Discord. I know some people skip the intro, and that's fine. It's kind of long, and it's not for everyone. That's all right. But this is a fun announcement, and you might want to hear about it. So listen to this intro. Before we continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, I just wanted to take the time to say thank you to everyone who came to the Multitude Live show, who talked to me afterwards, who took pictures, every single person that was there. You make my heart so happy. I met a lot of incredible people, and you're all very nice, and I'm very humbled by everything that went down. I really appreciate everyone going. It was such a fun time, and for all of you who couldn't go or don't live in the area, don't worry. Multitude is trying to do more and more of these live shows. We have stuff coming up later in the year in Orlando in Boston. I would love to see you there. So we're doing our best to come to a city near you. And we all want to because what happened on this past Friday was so incredible and we want to do more and more of it. And I cannot thank all of you enough. Other than that, I just want to give a shout out to Multitude. All of the people in the audio collective have been incredible, especially for the past few months where a lot of us have gone full time in podcasting and we make a lot of really good shows. And if you're looking for new podcasts to listen to or stuff to listen to while you wait for new Potterless episodes to come out, I highly recommend Multitude. Shows. If you want to find out about all of those shows or anything else that we do at Multitude, you can head on over to multitude.productions and check out more info there. And finally, now that I'm done with the books, Potterless has a Discord for patrons. So if you're a $2 and above patron, you have access to the Discord. All you need to do is set up a Discord account, or if you have one, just link it to your Patreon account and you should get automatically added. If something doesn't go right there, please send me an email. I'm happy to make it all work out, but I'm really excited to have that. And if you're not in a situation where you can support via Patreon, that's okay. We still have Twitter, we still have Reddit, we still have Facebook. We have so many other communities where you can talk about the show and meet other listeners of the show. But if you want to be a part of the Discord, go to discord.gg to make your account and make sure you're $2 and above patron and you're there. I'm excited to talk to you about anything and everything. And speaking of patrons, we have new patrons. Welcome to the team. Shout out to the return of Dave Coates, Adam M., Mariana Gongora, Hannah Bishop, Kristen Sharrow, Emma Luft, Izzy Higgins, Bethan Hudson, Aaron Moles, Anne-Marie Ferrara, Megan Malachek, Travis Wilkinson, Guinevere Tolson, Alejandra Gallegos, Abby Schmitkins, Anya, Jamie Quinn, Amara, Adrian Stafford, Mincha, Andre Freustein, Michaela Kramer, Lori Besenson, and Violet Sullivan. A pronunciation correction for Ville Donner. Shout out to Benjamin Bridges and Jaleesa Jackson who upgraded their pledge. A huge shout out to Al Vega and Topher Williams who upgraded to the producer level status as well as our new producer level patrons, Peter Wyckoff, Candy Kane, Skyla Lilly, and Adele Ryan. They joined the ranks of Leanne, Vicky, Aaron, Jesse, Natalie, Clow, Frank, Marchismo, Samantha, Juan, Kieran, Abid, Rosemarie, Jill, Marie, Eliza, Romina, Kamel, Russell, Dustin, Audra, Eleanor, Sydney, Billy, Rossanne, Nikita, Taylor, Ali, Amelia, Sean, Sarah, Ben, Rachel, Zachary, Orchid, Vivian, Takari, Haley, Moster, Pinky, Angelina, Ross, Marie, Alex, Brian, Caitlin, Mosin, Grace, Raul, Ingen, Mari, Brianne, Alexandra, John, Jen, Noel, Tao, Emily, Robin, Will, Liz, Mariah, Brandon, Sarah, Claire, Teal, Rory, Gloria, Sarah, Patrick, Alicat, Hallie, Veronica, Kevin, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Carlos, Pam, Colleen, Jennifer, Friday, Ivor, Naomi, Tyler, Summer, Heather, Vera, Kerry, Andrea, Ella, Anthony, David, Elisa, Lynn, Cameron, Justin, 
Christine, Jacob, Toothless, Maya, Mark, Polly, Surgeon, Brittany, Nita, Tumnus, Remney, Matt, Sarah, Nona, Zena, Emily, Colleen, Harlan, Wouter, Sheldarp, Noelia, Addie, Brian, Washin, Jenny, Nikki, Kara, Dorcas, Courtney, Kine, Amanda, Sabrina, Alicia, Kafir, Lindy, Marta, Benjamin, Tajinder, Skymart, Sarah, Peter, Yash, Marta, Stephanie, Justine, Aaron, CJ, Eileen, Kate, Violet, Hannah, Kat, Lindsay, Elizabeth, Fielding, Stephanie, Keegan, Miranda, Gail, Mr. Folk, Heather, Adam, Jesus, Christina, Maya, Zachary, Kieran, Ariel, Heaven, Callahan, Christy, Lily, Wire Warrior, Floor, Siri, Georgia, Villa, Itzel, Mitch, and Can't I Potter? Who never accidentally knocked the batteries out of their money shooting gun when doing an introduction for their live podcast show. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to bonus content such as bonus episodes, exclusive streams, exclusive merchandise, my notes, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 82 of Potterless covering the second half of chapter 31 of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, guest starring Johnny Frolicstein. Hello, Internet, and welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a 27-year-old man reading the Harry Potter series for the very first time. My name is Mike Schubert. I'm that grown man, and I'm here joined by my best bud and fellow person that hasn't matured past the age of 10, Johnny Frolicstein. Johnny, how's it going? It's good. I finished the episode from this week today with Cecilia on the camping trip. It's great. It's great stuff. Good. Look at that. Putting in perspective how far ahead I am of recording than I am of episode release. Ooh. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I love the camping chapters, and you can't take that away from me. That's fine. I'm sure there are dozens of people out there that love them. Yeah, I'm one of those dozens. Just a whole group of you. I'm one of those dozens. Those those 36 people. <laughs> well, we are here to discuss the second half of Chapter 31, a chapter so juicy that we needed to put it in Tupperware and reheat it in the microwave a week later. <laughs> Because it was too much to eat in one sitting. Except it still tastes as good a week Mm -hmm. later now. Hey, you know, I think it stays nice and fresh. (laughs) Chapter 31! (laughs) That's because I have glass Tupperware, the only type of Tupperware you should ever have. If you have plastic Tupperware, you're doing it wrong. Get glass Tupperware with the locks, the one that, like, snaps, like, like the four clicks, like, clack, 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 clack. Get those. It's worth the investment. Plastic Tupperware is garbage. It's time for Wingardium Mad Redosa on this episode. <laughs> Yo, if Glasslock sponsored this, are you kidding me? I'd be so hyped. That'd be the dream. I don't know if it'd be the dream, but it'd be great because I'd have to be like, I use this shit all the time. I was going to say, that's the dream. That's it. The pinnacle. <laughs> The entire reason I started Potterless was to one day get sponsored by Glasslock, a company that does not sponsor any podcasts, to my knowledge. <laughs> never mind Audible. Never mind MeUndies. Glasslock. <laughs> That's it. They're the big cash cow. <laughs> Chapter 31! Chapter 31! So we left off and Ron and Hermione were making out everywhere and Harry was all pissy about it because he he wasn't making out with anybody. Oi, there's a war going on here. Oi! So the castle is rumbling, Grop is fighting, Ginny's fighting, Tonks is fighting, everybody's fighting. Aberforth is cheering on Ginny and then announces that the Death Eaters brought giants of their own, which we all knew would happen. But, you know, what are you going to do? Maybe if only wizards were less shitty to other races, then uh, they would have some more teammates in this fight. You kind of wonder about giants, right? Like if if kindness would, and I don't mean like kindness, like doing one nice thing, but I mean like kindness as a group of people towards another group of people mm-hmm. would help with giants in particular. Um, and I imagine it probably would, but everything that J.K. Rowling has written about them has led us to believe they're attracted to 
power and destruction and all of that. And maybe that is a result of the way they were treated by wizards. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I don't know if giants go in that category or not. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause if we learned anything about them, it was only from the time Hagrid and Maxime went there. First off, need that spinoff movie, but also oh. they do seem to be not the most logical and thorough thinking of people. Even, you know, there was lots of, fighting and quarreling and usurping the throne from fellow giants and getting mad at Hagrid and there was that reasonable one like the the OG leader was super reasonable right right yes he was but then he got murdered oh oh that's right yeah (laughs) (laughs) well humans do that too to be fair (laughs) (laughs) just a whole lot of beheading with the giants so yeah maybe maybe the wizards couldn't have done anything but we also know from the way the ministry treats other races, the wizards and people who aren't wizards don't get along super well. Yeah, it's a fair point. And the way that those other groups that are not wizards are treated by wizards, it sort of becomes a self-fulfilling stereotype, right? In right. terms of like, the giants are aggressive and mean, but also we've treated them like crap, which has made them more aggressive and mean. And it's sort of snow, yeah, mm-hmm. it makes sense. Yeah, it's a big old circle. Tonks asks Aberforth if he has seen Lupin. And Lupin says that Remus was fighting Dolohov, and he hasn't seen him since. So the squad then turns and heads back to the Room of Requirement. And Harry goes up to the door and says, I need the place where everything is hidden. And it works, and they go in. After they go through for a little bit, and they see so much stuff in there, Ron asks, quote, and he never realized anyone could get in? (laughs) Which you can call Ron an umbrella at this point, because that is some shade thrown (laughs) At Tom Riddle, but also true. I had believed that Tom Riddle had hidden the diadem in the Chamber of Secrets, which seems more like a place that nobody else actually knows about. And even the barrier one step further than that is that you have to be able to speak partial tongue or at least guess about it. Uh, But it seems like the security system on the Chamber of Secrets is a better place to hide it as opposed to the Room of Requirement, which I guess Tom Riddle would have thought no one else would be smart enough to get it. But if just getting into it is just thinking about something, then I don't know that it was the best hiding spot. So, uh, you know, there's there's a common conversation that happens amongst Harry Potter people that I'm sure you've started to think about and engage with now, which is like, why didn't he turn a bunch of rocks into horcruxes and throw them into lakes? And it's like... Because he has to be able to get back to them. He has to be able to get back to them, which is fair. But then also, people a lot of times make the hubris argument. Like, Voldemort had to make it meaningful to him. And right. Because he didn't think anybody could discover his secret. Then he didn't think anybody would... It wasn't even in the realm of possibility to him that people would find it. So I get that, and I can, I can work with that. However... I think Hogwarts is a super shitty hiding place. What a stupid hiding place. Why would you, why? Yeah, you're inherently picking a place that every year, I don't know, at least dozens of people, new people are going to be there. And you hit it there the night you asked for a job from Dumbledore, right? So you know Dumbledore is at the school. You know Mm -hmm. Dumbledore is probably, if not you, the most powerful wizard in the world. And he's, you're literally going to hide a Horcrux with where he lives which I guess Dumbledore didn't find it to be fair, but it just feels like a shitty hiding place, a really shitty hiding place. Yeah, the other thing that I want to know is if when Voldemort put the diadem in the Room of Requirement and it was empty, what happened and what changed to go from no one knows about the Room of Requirement to a lot of freaking people know about the Room of Requirement? What was that shift? What caused that? So it, may, it might be generational, right? It might be if you're if somebody finds it and realizes what it is, like Harry did, he's able to tell a lot of people. 
Dumbledore also knew about the room of requirement, but didn't maybe know that it was the room of requirement. He thought it was a bathroom, right, the one time. Right. So I, I think it's probably just in terms of our Harry-centric understanding of a Hogwarts student knows about the room of requirement, but it might not be all that common, um, like, across generations. Yeah, I just the way they describe the room of requirement here, it seems like there are so many things in there, just like hundreds upon hundreds of items or people have hidden stuff. And I just want to know what Chatty Cathy found <laughs> out about the room requirement and then told everybody. Go hide your contraband here. Hiding stuff there. <laughs> I guess people weren't big fans of those charms that lets you put whatever you want in a bag because they're like, uh, better go hide this thing in the room of requirement. <laughs> How did so many kids just put stuff there and then just graduate and just leave it? Like nobody goes back for their stuff. Oh, that's a great point. <laughs> like nobody was like, all oh, right, I've been hiding this thing in there. Everybody forgot. It's a big room full of horcruxes. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's the plot twist. Everybody's been doing horcruxes. Like Voldemort's not special at all. Yeah, I'm sorry, Mike, but that's coming in chapter 35. So yeah. <laughs> So Hermione does Accio Diadem, which is a classic move that continues to not work, but I continue to respect. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Harry suggests splitting up and describes to them what it is supposed to look like. This is the point where I realize, oh, it is actually the tiara that he moved onto the bust with the hair or the wig or whatever so that he would know where to go. It took me until this line when he describes it so vividly for me to realize, oh, he is literally held the tiara in his hands, which is such an amazing move by J.K. Rowling. That's enormous. An incredible move by J.K. Rowling. Would he, and maybe this was just unique to the locket because they wore it for so long, would he not have felt some sort of, I mean, maybe he wasn't experienced enough, but Dumbledore's magic always leaves traces type of line. Would he not have picked up that tiara? Maybe he had his mind on other things, but mm -hmm. would he not have picked up that tiara? Yeah, he was in a huge rush, so he might not have yeah, noticed it. Yeah, that's fair. The other thing is the uh, the trace of magic thing is more of a explanation in the movies, to my understanding, because I haven't watched the 7th or 8th movie yet. I believe that was more of a thing in the 7th or the 8th movies for them to explain how they keep finding the Horcruxes. Is they change it to be like when you touch one, you get this weird like flash forward slash flashback of where the other ones are. And that's like not really a thing in the books. They do talk about the trace of magic like Dumbledore says in the cave. But I don't think Harry or anybody felt anything when they grabbed the diary. Yeah. And yeah. even when they grabbed the locket. Like I don't think that's described very often where it was like he grabbed it and felt a rush of evil, you know? Maybe if he had put it on. So we could look like a princess. Yeah, maybe that's <laughs> it. Kind of like how when they wear the locket, it makes them more grumpy or whatever. Maybe if you tried it on. Ooh, look at this cute diadem. <laughs> it's a good thing you didn't have a keen say on here coming up. That's all we can say. Also, one thing about this and Harry actually touching the tiara, which is a good move at the time of recording, I just saw Us, the Jordan Peele movie. I haven't which, seen it yet. Have I want to see it Dude, so badly. God, you got to go. Very much like Get Out, it is a movie where there is something that happens towards the end which makes you be like, oh, fuck, I got to rewatch it so that you can watch the movie again with the new perspective, like knowing everything. I love those movies. Yeah, that's my favorite type of movie. So I immediately left and I was like, I really want to watch it again. I also don't want to drop $17. So I will wait until it comes out and then I will buy it on Blu-ray or something and then watch it immediately. Rest in peace, movie pass. Ugh, man, remember movie pass was good, but... This is the kind of thing like that where, much like wanting to rewatch Us with the new perspective, I kind of want to go back and read the books and be like, oh, or at least read that scene again with the TR to be like, oh, it's right there. It was right in front of you the whole time. It's right there. It's literally in your hands. And I don't think they discussed 
the diadem until book seven. So it's not like you could have read that part and been like, oh my God, it's a horcrux. No, literally no way of knowing. It's just a brilliant retrospective. And I think the diadem is introduced at Xenophilius's house, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I can't imagine anybody who was like, oh, diadem, tiara, one sentence, six (laughs) books. Like at the point where he moves it, they, I don't even know if Harry knows about Horcruxes. He might have. I'm not sure. But like how wild would it be if, if it didn't? It's like he grabs a tiara and someone reading it is like, oh, clearly that has part of Voldemort's soul yeah. inside of it. <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> so they're about to split up. But then they hear, hold it, Potter. And I was very upset. And at first I was like, is this Snape? But no, it's Crab and Goyle. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> I do not care about these students at all. It's like a, like a tuba. Womp, womp. <laughs> <laughs> so my first thought was like, how the hell did these jokers get in? And then Malfoy comes up to him like, oh, okay. They had their competent friend with them. Because there's no way that Crab and Goyle are going to get into the room of requirement by themselves. That's probably correct. So Draco says, that's my wand. And Harry says, not anymore. And asks who lent him that one. And Draco says, it's his mom's. And Harry laughs, which is fantastic. Who's that wand? Your mom? <laughs> yeah. it's a beautiful beautiful move by harry to laugh boisterously in his face (laughs) so harry asks why they aren't with voldemort and crab says we're gonna get rewarded he says that they hung back in order to bring harry to voldemort and goyle reveals that they were hiding in the hallway with the disillusionment charm and overheard them saying that they needed to find not a diadem, diadem, but a diadem. <laughs> this is a great part to have it read to me by Kelly. When I covered this portion of the chapter, Kelly was reading it to me while I was taking notes. And Kelly goes very over the top with her voices. So every time she's going, diadem, it's very <laughs> fun. I had to ask her, are you just doing a sloth-like Goyle voice? Or is it actually spelled diadem? And she said, yes, it's actually spelled diadem. <laughs> I always imagine it as like a frat star thing. Like, bro, you got a diadem? Fuck's diadem. <laughs> So he then goes on to ask, what's a diadem? Oh, yeah, British frat star, sorry. They were already split (laughs) up at this point, so this is just Harry confronting them. Ron finally hears the back and forth between them, and Ron asks, Harry, are you talking to somebody? And Crab shoots Descendo at him. And this is something that we had not seen before, right? I think that's right. Yeah. So it knocks over a wall at Ron, just a wall of all of the stuff. We then hear Hermione scream, and Harry shoots Finite, not just at anything, but at the Rampart. The comeback of Ramparts, Johnny. We're back. The stars have aligned. <laughs> I don't know. We may have heard the word Rampart a couple times, but I'm glad that the return of Rampart is here when you are on the podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, you didn't invite me back on this episode because it's the two I told you so moments about Teen Fire <laughs> and Parcel Dark. No, it's because the word Rampart is used and we're a bunch of children. <laughs> we get excited about Gosh. it. Gosh. Even though it's in the National Anthem, which is a good point. It's a good point that it's in the National Anthem, but we didn't think about that. <laughs> It's a good point. But yeah, the return of Ramparts, it only makes sense. So Harry shoots Finite at the Rampart to keep it intact. Malfoy tells them not to wreck the room because it may crush this, quote, diadem thing. But Crab doesn't understand its importance. He also calls it a diadem. And then after Ron calls for Harry, he does a teasing invitation of Ron. And while he's doing that, Harry lunges for the diadem, and Crab tries Crucio, which really is just lowering the bar consistently of this spell. It just doesn't seem that bad of a thing anymore, and if freaking Crab can do it, come on. Yeah, I, I think it's still, you can still understand, like, how fucked up it is, but you're right. In term, The fact that, like, 
And maybe it's just because crab's so evil, but uh-huh. I, I think that's the, the, the bar is less about like your skill and more about like how much of like a piece of shit you are. Because Harry couldn't do it, right? And Harry's certainly more skilled than crab. Right. He tried to do it, but it didn't actually work. Yeah. Uh, not so fast, past Mike. Hey guys, editing Mike. How's it going? You're forgetting about the time like one chapter ago where Harry successfully used it against the Caros when defending McGonagall. I get that's not your point, but come on, my guy. Don't forget these details. But I, I agree. It's like we're getting, we're getting a little crucio happy. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of them. So Crab does not hit. He hits the bust, and the diadem goes flying into the air and lands amongst a bunch of crap. Malfoy tries to get Crab to stop, but Crab, who is standing up against Draco consistently, this is the second time he kind of barks back at Draco when he was telling him to be more careful and stuff. He says he's not killing him, but even if I did, what's the difference? And then, while they're bickering, Hermione shoots a stunning spell at him. Malfoy pulls him out of the way, and when Crab realizes that it's Hermione, he shoots Avada Kedavra at her, which, come, what? Come on, like... It's insane. Ugh. And also just proves that he's at least probably a little bit racist against Muggleborns if he's going to shoot just Caruso at Harry, but full Avada at Hermione. Is that like magic microaggression? <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that what that is? I think that's what that is. I get, I don't, like, it's just, it's so silly that, I, I mean, it's not silly, but it just like shows how bad crab is that he's like oh this is the muggleborn i'm allowed to kill this one but i guess also harry was supposed to be kept alive blah 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 but still like come on dude yeah he certainly wasn't thinking about that at that time i, I want to go back to what you said about draco being bossed around a little bit by crab and goyle because like this is the malfoy trend right and if you if you were to like graph the malfoys over time starting at like the end of book four that thing is just like, like, like <laughs> the, the malfoys were like Voldemort's peak servants at the, you know, blah, 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 mm-hmm. at the end of book four. And then he fucks up in the ministry and then the wand thing happens. And now the Malfoys are just like, like <laughs> can't do anything. We now have Crab and Goyle clapping back at Malfoy. This is not, you know, you've done goofed when that's your <laughs> yeah, current situation. Absolutely. Is two of the worst students at Hogwarts are standing up against you. Not a good luck. There's a lot of justice there though, right? Like given how much the Malfoys put pride in their family name for so long and now they're like the laughing stock of the bad guys of the wizarding world that's like oh god (laughs) fucking justice yeah pretty good pretty pretty good harry is absolutely furious that crab went for an avada kedavra against hermione and he shoots a stunning spell back at crab it misses but it causes malfoy to lose his wand Malfoy continues to yell at Crab and Goyle not to kill Harry, and Harry hits Goyle with old reliable Expelliarmus, <laughs> which makes his wand go flying and land into the bulwark of objects beside him. Is bulwark a word that you know of? I've warped a bull in my day. <laughs> do, is the, do you know what this word means? Nah. Well, it might be a British thing. Oh. So for that, we're going to call upon our UK correspondent, oh, Dottie no. James. No. And now it is time for British quandaries with UK correspondent, Dottie hey, hey, James. Hey, hey, hey. Stop, stop, stop. This is not a British quandary. This is just Mike not knowing vocabulary words. I Googled it, and Bulwark is just like a wall of defense. I've definitely heard this word before. I can't believe I didn't recognize it in the moment. But I don't have to waste Dottie's time with these shenanigans. So, yeah, Bulwark. It's a wall of defense. You did it. This has been British Quandaries with UK correspondent, Editing Mike, plus Google.
Wow, Dottie, thank you so much for either knowing what bulwark means or Googling it for us. It's a brilliant, it's brilliant insight. <laughs> really appreciate her educating the masses. So everybody's shooting hexes at each other. Crab shoots a Vaticadabra at Ron but misses. Hermione hits Goyle with a stunning spell. Then Hermione yells at Harry to turn around, and he sees Crab chasing after Ron with a wild fire spell. Harry shoots Aguamenti, but to no avail. Harry has no idea what this curse is, and this isn't just a regular fire spell. The flames appear to be sentient, and these flames start forming into beasts, which I just wrote, Crab? With a bunch of question marks? Like, when did Crab get so good at magic slash so evil? Uh, yeah, I think he probably bought into school a little bit more once he was getting taught by a Caro uh, in terms of the dark arts. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Your ability to learn things is obviously how, you know, bought in you are. And so him and Goyle, certainly when the Caros took over and it's like, yeah, we're going to teach the dark arts and torture and blah, 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 blah. They were like, oh, shit, this is this is our stuff. Maybe we should start paying attention in class yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. It's like they were in biology class and then they get to the reproductive chapter. And they're like, oh, this one's about sex. We should pay attention to this that is, chapter. That is exactly it. That is literally that. <laughs> Might see some cartoon boobs. Like, this is it. <laughs> oh, yo, check it. They've got this, like, it's still a vagina, even though it's a, a diagram that shows you all the, like, veins and the... And like the inside parts, but dude, it's still a vagina. <laughs> it's exactly that. <laughs> Check out the reproductive organs, dude. Dude, fallopian tubes. <laughs> it's that. It's that, but with the dark cards. Uh, so the fire monster starts surrounding the squad and Hermione asks, what can they do? Harry grabs some broomsticks and I thought that there was going to be no Quidditch in this book, but nope. <laughs> Getting some Quidditch. At least it's not Quidditch. It's I know, I know. It's better. <laughs> Flying on brooms is cool. I'm glad that they didn't use any Quidditch aspects whilst doing this. So he throws a broom at Ron, who grabs Hermione and puts her on the broom, and they start to fly away. They narrowly miss the beak of a raptor, which was way cooler until Kelly and I made the realization that they mean the bird of prey and not the dinosaur. Oh, fire dinosaur would be so good. <laughs> For four seconds, I was like, yo. And then we realized. Because um, you know what the implication of, of a fire raptor is, right? A fire tyrannosaurus rex and a fire bronchosaurus, all of it. I mean, that means dinosaurs exist in the wizarding world. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that could have been huge. But no, it just means the bird of prey, which is far less exciting, way less fun. Yeah, way less fun. But Kelly made this realization first, so she made me write in my notes, Kelly is very smart, and I love her, and she's definitely not making me type this. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Mike, so organic. You're so sweet. You're sweet <laughs> softy. Yeah, I just, just love her so much. Big softy. <laughs> Harry hears, quote, a thin, piteous human scream and it's Malfoy and the unconscious Goyle perched on a pile of charred desks which makes me think who the fuck is bringing desks into the room of requirement <laughs> like what why are people hiding desks in the room of requirement it's like a couple of second years who like dated and like wrote a heart and their initials on the desk and then they broke <laughs> up and then they had to go hide it why are they in this room <laughs> I, don't, I have no clue <laughs> So Ron is calling for Harry to leave because it's too dangerous, but Harry dives after them and he tries to grab them, but Goyle is too heavy. So Malfoy's sweaty hand slips out of his grip 
And Ron then screams, if we die for them, I'll kill you, Harry. It's an all-timer. It's an all-timer. Which, no, you, I mean, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> but very funny writing by J.K. Rowling here. It's like, it's the most Ron thing to say. It's like yes. the most stressful moment ever. And Ron's still quip city, taking over from Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> It is a very, very good Ron quote. I'm very proud of J.K. Rowling for writing this. It was very funny. So they loop around. They go back. They get Goyle on Rom's broom and Malfoy on Harry's broom because, you know, Malfoy and Harry. (laughs) Malfoy then screams for them to get to the door. And while the creatures start destroying everything in the room, Harry sees them throw the tiara up into the air. So Harry, before they can go through the door, changes direction, dives after it, and gets it. Then jets towards the door, which makes me think of when I play basketball and a play goes to absolute shit, but it still works. I will always scream at the top of my lungs to my team, just like we drew it up. (laughs) (laughs) And this is that moment where everything has gone to shit. The entire room of requirement is on fire. They have Goyle and Malfoy on their brooms, but they still end up leaving with the thing they came in, which is just like we drew it up moment. We ran the play. We ran the play. (laughs) absolutely brilliant it doesn't surprise me at all that you do that when you play basketball based on everything i've heard about you playing basketball (laughs) when i play basketball i'm the ultimate i'm the ultimate dream on green where you love having me on your team and if i'm not on your team i'm the most annoying person you're the best and the worst (laughs) exactly like we always say when we do things together we're the best and the worst (laughs) and i really try to rally the troops and morale tell my teammates to keep shooting that their shots will fall don't worry Say good pass, say good defense, good rebound, give them good compliments. And if, you know, you try to shoot a shot and it hits off the top of the backboard and then bounces off somebody's head, but then someone jumps up and catches it and lays it in, that is just, just like how we, we drew, drew it up. It up. <laughs> you, so you're a Draymond fan, right? I'm sure, I'm sure you love Draymond. Yes, I love him as a player just because I see myself in him. Not in the whole kicking people in the ball stuff, but everything else. Uh, <laughs> But, yeah, I like Draymond. I have a Draymond Green jersey. Yeah, that's not surprising. You're a Lance Stevenson fan, too, right? Oh, God, yes. If anyone was not a Lance Stevenson fan, I would question them as a human being. Yeah, he's the best. Like, if someone said they don't like Lance Stevenson, be like, oh, so you don't like fun? Cool. What's your favorite flavor of yogurt? Plain? <laughs> if you if you don't wow you're that was your that was your fun analogy if you um <laughs> oh, it's, oh, okay I uh, I'm trying to think of, like oh I didn't want to like shit on people who like vanilla ice cream because sometimes vanilla ice cream can be good yeah fair fair vanilla's pretty good it'd be like hey I'm putting together a an order of like crappy Domino's pizza or whatever what toppings do you want and someone goes oh plain is fine no yeah it's, that, that's that's yeah, that's exactly you it. need some sort of topping to distract you from the horrible quote unquote pizza <laughs> that you're about and to cardboard eat. throw some banana peppers on there banana peppers are the best Domino's pizza topping pineapple pineapple's good Pi- like pineapple I not on real pizza do not get pineapple that's a crime pineapple on shitty like Papa John's-esque pizza Sign me up. So I don't think it's a crime. I think that's an okay take. Johnny, you lived in Texas. You're not allowed to tell me what real pizza is. That's a fair point, but I love (laughs) pineapple on pizza so much. And people who love pineapple on pizza are like, yeah, we're just happy over here loving our pineapple on our pizza. And people who hate pineapple on pizza, (laughs) like, think that we're committing a a war crime. (laughs) (laughs) It is. 
the, the hate towards it is very unnecessary. It's absurd. It's absurd. There should be more hatred towards pepperoni, which is the basic bitch of pizza toppings. Oh, yeah. Pepperoni pepperoni is just fine. My favorite pizza topping is pepperoni. Yeah. Who's your favorite Power Ranger? The Red Ranger? Get the <laughs> yeah, fuck exactly out of here. Right. Right. That's exactly right. Um, if you don't know who we're talking about, Lance Stevenson, <laughs> you need to look up Lance Stevenson blowing at LeBron James's face. Basically, the two of them are kneeling over. They're really out of breath. And Lance Stevenson looks over at LeBron James, the best basketball player in the world, and blows in his face. And LeBron just like laughs it off because he's a great person. But it's so funny. He blows in his ear specifically. And it was in the fourth quarter of a playoff game. And this was Lance's move to try to get in the head of LeBron. <laughs> so and you know funny. what? It probably worked. It probably it's worked. It's so funny. <laughs> Oh, I love it. All right, Pass Mike, you haven't talked about Harry Potter for like eight consecutive minutes, so you might as well keep that going with a little bit of Wingardium Adridosa. Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by Boosted Boards. Let's say hypothetically that you are running away from giant spiders and you want to do so as quickly as possible. But if you keep running, your legs are just going to get so tired. And if you use something like a bicycle or a skateboard, your legs will eventually get really tired too. What if you had a means of transportation that still helped you look incredibly cool, but prevented you from getting tired due to the modern technology of motors? Well, that's where Boosted can come in. Boosted makes vehicle-grade electric skateboards and scooters, which are the modern solution to your transportation woes and giant spiders. They have a 22-mile range and max speeds of 24 miles per hour, so Boosted is perfect for running to the store or traveling across town or running away from giant spiders. They have five options to choose from, from big longboards to small longboards to a scooter, so whatever makes the most sense for you, you can get the right electric vehicle. And with financing, they start at $61 a month, which is a lot cheaper than buying gas or a Metro card, or it's worth... A lot of walking, honestly. <laughs> Boosted sent me a loaner board and I had a great time using it. It's really nice for the weird in-between trips. Like here in New York, there's times where it's like, ah, it would take 20 minutes to walk here and it would also take 20 minutes by train. So do I really want to go all the way down the stairs and then wait for a train and then get on one and then go up the stairs? One of my buddies, Sal, who lives in San Francisco, he has a Boosted board and he lives a 20 minute walk from work and he uses it as a, oh no, I'm running late device and it's really good. <laughs> So if you're interested in getting a Boosted board, you are in luck because Boosted is offering Potterless listeners $75 off the purchase of an electric vehicle when you use the code Potterless at checkout. So head to BoostedBoards.com, use the code Potterless at checkout, and you'll save $75 off an electric vehicle. So head to BoostedBoards.com, use promo code Potterless, get whatever vehicle makes the most sense for you, and get away from the spiders without getting tired today. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the market 
Marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are. So it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want. And then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get right 10% you can off get, your first purchase right now, by going to arenaclub.com Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slap pack is 40 bucks right there. Wow. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash potterless for 10% off your first purchase. That's a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slap pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyway, that's Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. So they get out of the room of requirement, and at first I was very relieved and happy for them, and then the realization dawned upon me, oh, Crab is dead. Oh yeah, he's, he's done for. And Malfoy says, Crab twice, Six feet and Ron has to tell him he's dead. So what I love here is that before J.K. Rowling decides to kill off one of Crab or Goyle, she has to lay out the groundwork. Oh, Crab's the worst one, and then murders them. <laughs> yeah, the one, the one shooting about a cadaver everywhere is going to be the one to you know get the axe. Because up until this point, they were just the evil version of Fred and George where they're basically <laughs> non-distinguishable from one another, except that they have different names. There's nothing that you could tell me about Crab individually as a human or Goyle individually as a human. So before you kill one of them, you have to establish, hmm, well, Crab is worse and he's really bad. Check it out. On the contrary, as we'll get later in this chapter, spoiler alert, before they murder Fred, she took a longer approach to make Fred clearly the better twin to destroy all of our hearts. Mm. But I'll get into that later. <laughs> there are some loud bangs and some ghosts ride past them. The battle is still raging on. Harry asks where Ginny is since she's not where they left her. And here's just a fun little thing I learned from the audiobooks at this point. Stephen Fry pronounces Malfoy Malfoy. <laughs> which is just a fun little accent thing, is Malfoy. I never listened to the Stephen Fry version, and Jim Dale is just so, it's almost canon to me at this point, <laughs> Jim Dale doing the voices. Jim Dale, what a guy, what a guy. The Stephen Fry ones are good. They're solid, but he does pronounce some things a little funny. Malfoy. He also says thickness. He says, like, thickness. Enter thickness. <laughs> this was, like, an inside joke of ours in high school. One of my friend's moms was getting us Jimmy John's one time, and she walked into the room, and she said something to the effect of, like, Hey, do you guys want some Jimmy John's? Everybody's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> then there is a blood-like tar substance that starts oozing 
out of the diadem. It starts vibrating and then it breaks apart in Harry's hand. What? And when it does, Harry hears a distant scream of pain as if it was from the object. Wait, did they did they stab it with a basilisk fang? How did this happen? Oh, no, no, no. Hermione then realizes that it was fiend fire. What? Which is a what cursed is fire. Fi- oh, a cursed fire. This might be what Dumbledore was doing, which is why he had the scars on his hand to try to destroy the ring before he ended up using the sword on it. But Hermione explains that fiend fire is a way to destroy horcruxes. It can destroy horcruxes. But it's too dangerous. So here's my question, and Johnny, thank you for correctly predicting that I was going to get mad at this shit. Hermione's just fucking sitting on this information the whole damn time and just decides not to tell anyone? Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah, she knew of a spell that could come out of your wand that you could do at any time that could destroy horcrux, and she chose not to tell the gang. She chose not to tell. It didn't matter. They're looking for the sword for months, and they've got no leads on the sword. They have no idea where it is. They have no idea how to find and it. And they have no idea way. how to kill horcruxes otherwise, yeah. It is the only means besides basilisk fangs that they know of to destroy horcruxes. And Hermione's just been sitting on this information yeah. the whole time. She's like, I can understand not wanting to use it. I can understand thinking that it's too dangerous. I can understand still looking for the sword because maybe the sword also has a horcrux in it and getting the sword back is important. I understand all of that. The fact that she never even brought it up to Harry and Ron is bonkers. That is wild. Yeah. There is no way. The Hermione we know would not have done that. And the only reasonable explanation for this is that J.K. Rowling thought doing another one with a basilisk fang, which was right there, they had a whole bunch of them right there, would have been duplicative until she invented fiend fire, which is spelled fucking weird, so that they could destroy Horcrux in a new nifty way. They literally have basilisk fangs. Don't they have them on their person? Yes. Like, they have them in the bag. Yep. There is no reason for this fire to be something that can destroy Horcruxes that Hermione knows about. I can understand when J.K. does other stuff to move the plot along, but this literally achieves nothing. All they got to do is get out, take out the basilisk fang, just like they did to the cup, and shank it. Why? Why? It's the same thing as, like, Harry could have just gone over and opened the Chamber of Secrets himself and then let them be on their merry way, right? It's just, like, weird lapses in this chapter, which are so bizarre to me because they contrast the, like, brilliance of the plot mechanism she did with the diadem on the, you know, in the Room of Requirement, the fact that there's these two like weird, like inexplicable, like question marks, and then the juxtaposition of those with like the brilliance. I don't know. That's like this chapter in a nutshell for me, which is why I wanted to be on this, is because there's so much brilliance and there's so much like what? Like what the fuck? <laughs> it's also wild that Hermione knows what the spell is, and while Harry is going back into the fire to retrieve the diadem, she could have just said don't worry about it, Harry. It's fiend fire. You can just let it go. Like, what? <laughs> well, did Hermione... So I, I I thought I remembered Hermione saying, like, oh, that was fiend fire. Like, she knew yeah, that... Yeah, she didn't realize it until afterwards. And she didn't know it could destroy horcruxes, maybe? Oh. Like, she knew what it was. She knew that it was fiend fire. She didn't know that it was a horcrux destroyer. Right, she didn't know that fiend fire had the ability... Let me grab my book to get the exact quote. Okay. Because, yeah, this is important. I think that was it, come to think of it. Yeah, well... We might have to retract all of our statements. That's okay. At least we don't have to do it after we get tweeted at. <laughs> uh, okay, here we go. Nope. Nope. Just kidding. Nope. We're right. Don't worry. What does she say? Why would we ever doubt ourselves? <laughs> We've never been wrong. <laughs> so talks about it breaking in his fingers. 
It must have been Fiendfire, whimpered Hermione, her eyes on the broken pieces. Sorry? Fiendfire. Cursed fire. It's one of the substances that destroy horcruxes. She knew! But I would never, ever have dared use it. It's so dangerous. How did Crab know how to? Must have learned from the Caros, Harry said grimly. This also implies Hermione knew how to use it. The fact that she said I would never use it implies that she could have. Right? One of the three of them would have been able to do it. They are good enough wizards. But like, Hermione knew about this thing? And they didn't even talk about it once, let alone try it, or Hermione at least give Harry the warning. Maybe she didn't say it because she knew Harry would be a dumbass and try to use it. Uh And maybe it's like a Dumbledore thing where she's thinking, I'm not going to tell Harry something on purpose because if I do, he'll pull a Harry Potter. But she doesn't explain that portion. She could have told Harry about it and not told him how to use it, right? Like, he's He's never figured anything out by himself before. (laughs) I would be mad at this whole thing not making sense, first off. But on top of it, what compounds on it that just makes it so ridiculous to me is that they have the basilisk fangs right there. Like, there's no reason to do this. There's nothing, it's not sensical. The only thing I can think is that they had to justify the Dumbledore burnt hand thing because that still hasn't been justified yet, right? It has not been justified yet. And we learn from Phineas Nigellus that he ended up destroying the ring with the sword, right? Mm -hmm. So you're telling me that Dumbledore, the most powerful wizard, couldn't get... I mean, I guess we do see the spell go really wrong for Crab. So it's not like Crab did it right. But we're... I guess we're left to believe that Dumbledore used this spell and it went wild and burned his hand and that's why he couldn't talk about it. It just seems so unnecessary. No comment. Uh, Even if you want to put this spell in there, even if the reason Hermione's not telling him is so that Harry doesn't use it, the explanation could be, look, Harry, there's this thing called Fiendfire that can destroy Horcruxes. Dumbledore had that weird burnt hand in the sixth book. I bet he was trying to use it to destroy the ring. But even he had to use the sword to destroy the ring. So clearly we shouldn't even bother. Like, there are so many ways to explain it thoroughly and it just seems so unnecessary. Like, this makes no sense. I'm going to let you riff. I'm not going to tread here just because I don't want to spoil anything. Okay. Nah, I, I'm done. What Like, we've covered what needs to be said. We have not. We have not. It's just wild. We it is absolutely wild to me. covered what needs to be said because we have not talked about Fiend Fire Festival, which <laughs> definitely <laughs> needs to be a thing. Damn it. <laughs> they do spell Fiend Fire F-Y-R-E. Oh, my God. It's so stupid. Okay, for everyone doing... Harry Potter trivia, and you need a name, Fiendfire Festival, you oh. now have my official blessing to use. That's a good Harry Potter trivia. Oh, name. that's so good. That's a really, really good one. <laughs> the only thing that could make Fire Festival shittier is a bunch of Fiendfire. Because it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Oh, my goodness. It's on brand for them. So, anyway, thanks to Crab's bitch ass, the Fiendfire destroyed the diadem. Woohoo. Hermione suggests that it could be a way that they could kill Nagini. (laughs) So I don't know if they end up killing Nagini with this, but if that's what you really needed to do... Burn her! (laughs) I get, like, if that's how they end up killing Nagini, then maybe it'll all make sense of why this had to be introduced. But I still think it's more interesting to kill Nagini with a basilisk fang. A little snake-on-snake crime. Right? Ooh, I like that. I think it's a way better move. Interesting. We'll have to. Uh, we'll I have wonder to what happens. <laughs> so then Harry sees Fred and Percy dueling some Death Eaters. <sighs> oh, no, 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 no. Can we just end over? Episode's over. Yeah. <laughs> they run forward to help. 
Percy is fighting Thickness, which is very fitting for Percy. Enter Thickness. Yep. Okay. And now we will listen to Enter Thickness. <laughs> Percy is fighting Thickness, which is very fitting. And Percy claps at Thickness with, hello, minister. Did I mention I'm resigning? Ooh! Which is a pretty good move. Boom! And he didn't just do a spell of Thickness. He did a spell that turned Pious Thickness into a sea urchin. <laughs> Which is very cool. Percy is going and I off. I feel very torn because now I have positive emotions towards Percy, which I have not felt before. Two things. He had a sassy line and he turned his former boss into a sea urchin. That's a lot. That's very impressive. Is Percy no longer, is he redeemed? Is he no longer the worst? No, no. He did the bare minimum. Percy's redemption arc is fighting against the racists that are trying to kill everyone he knows and loves. Like, woohoo, here's your cookie. Like, he's doing the bare, bare minimum here. So, okay, I guess more what I meant. He's, so, he's not net positive. I agree. Is he no longer on par with Voldemort and Umbridge in terms of... <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is now a step above Aunt Muriel in the worst Weasleys. So Muriel has now dropped below him in the ranking of overall Weasleys, making her the worst and him the second worst. Muriel is like a 16 seed. Percy's like a 14. It's March Madness right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's good. It's good to know that he finally came around and I know he explained that he wanted to leave the job earlier, but he was afraid the Death Eaters would get to him, blah, blah, blah. I understand. But it's not like this is a redemption arc. It is a redemption moment. It is his first step. But I do like that he is acting more like a Weasley in this moment. Yeah, that's good. Fred takes note of this and starts to crack a joke. And he says, you're joking. You're actually joking, Percy. I haven't heard you laugh since you were. And then there's a big explosion. Harry goes flying. And when he finally emerges from the rubble and sees the aftermath, We notice that Fred is laying there motionless with his eyes frozen open, described as having his last laugh still etched on his face. And that is the end of this chapter. And that is really sad for your boy, because although I did predict this, I did not want to be right about this at all and it sucks this one hit me really hard if you don't follow potterless on twitter you're missing out because kelly tweeted out a photo of me just looking incredibly sad and dejected uh and if you scroll back to like march 20th's tweet line you'll find it so this one hurts on a number of levels the first in my mind is i believe and you can totally correct me if i'm wrong I believe Fred is the first school-aged character who has died that we've known since the first book. Yes. The list of people who have died from the first book are Dumbledore and Fred. And Dumbledore is old and not a child and not a young adult. Uh We have known Fred from the beginning. We have known Crab from the beginning, but we also don't care about him. Yeah, Crab's a bitch. He tried to kill somebody. (laughs) He's the worst one. I don't know if you knew. (laughs) The other level is is it's a Weasley, right? It's it's one of Harry. It's a, it's a family member for Harry, right? And then the third level, which is probably the most, the one that cuts the most, is the fact that he's a twin. Uh huh. And 
Fred and George was such a consummate pairing. Fred and George was, you know, you kind of have one without the other, right? And so now it's George. Yeah, it's like pineapple and Papa John's pizza. You just can't. <laughs> I'm not a big <laughs> Harry Potter meme person. I think some of them are okay. The ones that make me stop and read every time are the ones about, like, George's birthdays in the future, about how, like, you know, they didn't celebrate him anymore. Or, like, oh. Molly didn't, she still knitted an F sweater every year. Just things like that. Just like, uh. ah! The, the amount of headcanon that has come from this is just, like, devastating. It sucks because Fred is a great character. The reason that I was able to predict this is because of the people that are Harry's age or at least close enough, him and George technically are the most expendable of the kids we care about just because for so much of the book – they're just Fred and George, Fred and George, Fred and George. There's not like too much different. As the books go on, we learn that Fred is a bit funnier and more of a charming jerk. Uh, whereas George is a little kinder and calmer and less like brash. So they get like their little personality quirks. But still, of all the people that we would really care about that you would kill off, killing one of the twins is the least bold choice. So I understand why J.K. Rowling did it. Because if you really wanted to do something that hurts, you know who you kill? You kill Ginny Weasley. Yeah, good. thank goodness. That would have been the one that hurt the most. Because first off, Harry's love interest. He's going to feel like he was responsible for all of this. Boom. Then she's the youngest. That also sucks. And we just had a whole scene where Molly had to beg and plead her to stay in the room of requirement. So if you really want to tug at the heart strings and really have the saddest death, you killed Ginny. And I will admit, if I did not know that Hermione and Ron end up marrying each other, I 5,000% would have guessed that Ron was the one to get killed. I would have been so heavy on the Ron is going to die by the end of the book train. I'm frankly shocked that he survived. That would have been embarrassing for you. <laughs> I would have been so heavy on it. That would have been Just because it level. seems like such the classic thing to do. If you have a book series or a movie series or anything where you have three major characters, you're going to kill the least important of the three. And, and sorry to anyone that really likes Ron, but he's less important than Harry and Hermione. Certainly. So... I would have thought that would have been a no-brainer. And I know that J.K. Rowling has since said that she had considered killing Ron but didn't end up doing so. But, yeah, I am not surprised by Fred's death. But I am saddened by it greatly because he was not only the better of the two twins but one of the best characters in the whole book and one that I connected to and related to a whole heck of a lot. I wanted to do a little Potterless funeral for Fred. Oh, and so okay. I came up with a list of Fred's greatest hits and it's really short. I just it kept it short. Oh, is it all of his best quotes? Good. It's not best quotes. It's just like best moments. Okay, okay. So the first one that I had was when him and George in the first book were bewitching snowballs to hit Quirrell in the back of the head. Very good. <laughs> Which they were hitting Voldemort. Fighting off Voldemort at a young age. I think giving Harry the Marauder's Map is an obvious one. Right. I think their treatment of Harry after he funds Weasley Wizard Weezes uh -huh. is just the best. And then the ultimate Fred moment in my mind is when he's like goading Harry and Ron about asking someone to the Yule Ball. And they're like, who are you going with? And he's like, Angelina. Mm -hmm. And they're like, how'd you ask? And he's like, oi, <laughs> Angelina. That's the best. That is the best moment. At that moment, I was like, Fred is better than George. That was the beginning of it. But yes, that is easily the best moment of Fred and potentially any character in the entire series. It's incredible. So Fred Weasley, may you rest in peace. We love you. You gave so much. Yeah. Sorry to make this sad. 
No, it's good. I like that he's getting the proper send off that he so rightfully deserves. Okay, so here are some of the best Fred quotes. In Goblet of Fire, when Percy's being very Percy and mentions the whole Weatherby thing previously when they when they overhear that, there's a part where Fred <laughs> says to Percy, oh, shut up, Weatherby. <laughs> in Order of the Phoenix, when Harry's being all angsty and stuff in the beginning, Fred says, quote, you don't want to bottle up your anger like that, Harry. Let it all out, said Fred, also beaming. There might be a couple of people 50 miles away who didn't hear you. <laughs> Also, Fred at one point says to Ron, time is Galleon's little brother, which is good because it makes me think, because the phrase is not time is dollars, it is time is money. So (laughs) it's funny to say time is Galleon's. Oh, what an angel. When they're finally deciding to ditch school, Fred turns to George and says, George, I think we've outgrown full-time education. Oh, which winks at camera. I hope to say that whenever I switch from having a full-time job to a part-time job, or if I go podcasting full-time, I'll, when I put in my two, <laughs> I put in my two weeks notice, I'll just be like, I've, <laughs> I think I've outgrown corporate America. <laughs> uh, Fred Weasley, our favorite twin, one of our favorite Weasleys, and one of our favorite characters in the whole book gone too soon, but you live on forever in our hearts shout out to fred and that is the end of this chapter that's the end of this episode of Potterless. so johnny though we are on a bit of a somber moment how you feeling about this half of chapter 31 somber but on the bright side let's 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 run through the list you got the the ring uh-huh the diary uh-huh you have the, the cup cup the locket you have the locket the diadem and the diadem which is all of the non-nagini yeah, the only ones left are Nagini and then Voldemort himself. Mm-hmm. So they just got to kill Nagini and then they got to kill Voldemort. And that's it. In that order and then they're good. Yeah, has to be very has <laughs> to be in that order. That's wild. We're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm excited to see how they kill Nagini. Maybe they just tell Nagini to go in the room of requirement while it's still on fire. <laughs> I don't know. Great job Harry Ron and Hermione doing what Dumbledore tried to spend years doing in less than a year and <laughs> taking out three Horcruxes in the time it might take to, you know, do the research to find half a one. Well, you know, it's a Harry Potter book, so all of the things need to happen in the last it is May. five chapters. May's a, May's a big month for them. <laughs> it's the end of the school year, so, you know, shit's got to hit the fan. But, yeah, I'm glad that you very correctly predicted that I was going to get mad at this stuff. You know me very well. <laughs> Thanks for having me back on. I'm glad I get to do this I told you so business. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm glad you came back. I could not think of a better guest to have while I get super grumpy about things that don't make sense. But you're right. I mean, this chapter has so many good elements to it. And the two things that just make absolutely no sense, unfortunately detract from what otherwise would be Probably the best chapter in the series, at least uh, definitely in this book. Yeah, certainly top five. And it probably still is top five so far that we've seen in the whole series. Yeah, like that. that is a testament to how good the rest of the chapter is, that even with these two things, it's like, what? It's still incredible, an incredible work of literature. Yeah, the, the logical flow that Harry uses to get from Voldemort thought I would go to Ravenclaw Tower all the way to oh my God, I know where it is, is like mind-blowingly good. It's good. And as we talked last time, just the way in which Harry's scatterbrained thoughts lead the reader to that realization is super fun. And it's a very well-crafted chapter. Really, really well executed. I'm just 
grumpy about fiend fire fiend fire festival coming 2020 yeah that is the one silver lining is that we came up with that pun from it (laughs) and we have done a service to harry potter trivia teams for the end of time well johnny thank you so much for joining on is there anything you want to discuss or or plug before we call it an episode i think i'm good man i just can't believe that this this whole thing's i mean i know potter isn't ending when you're done but you're you're you know, the 24-year-old man's journey through a Harry Potter series is, is so close to coming to an end. It's crazy. Yeah, I've been doing this for over three years now. I remember when you told me you were going to do this, and I was like, okay, that's fine. And you got your first review after, like, three episodes. And I was like, I got my first review, and now it's, like, crazy. <laughs> it's awesome. And I was a tiny little baby boy. And you're a tiny little baby boy. On a cheap, tiny little microphone. And my guests I had on a Bluetooth speaker pointed at my microphone <laughs> because I didn't realize that I could have people record voice memos on their phone if they didn't have audio equipment. That's it, that, ah. <laughs> Look how far we have come. Such innocence. <laughs> <laughs> well, Johnny, thank you so much for joining. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, before they turn their former employers into sea urchins. Hey, I don't think I can say this enough. But it's absolutely incredible when people talk about the show, whether you're telling someone in person to listen to it, telling them on social media, leaving a rating and review on iTunes, all of these things help Potterless so much. And I'm very thankful to all of you who have done it. And for anyone who will do it in the future, thanks so much. It's so awesome. I really appreciate it. Potterless is created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert as well as Leanne Davis, Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Jesse Horgan, Natalie Klobuchar, Klaus Serlopu, Frank Chiotto, Marchismo, Samantha Rose, Juan Sanfelio, Kieran Webb, Abita Med, Rosemary Dodge, Jill Boulay, Maria Lisa. C. Keen, Romina Rivadonier, Camille Dock, Russell Dunk, Dustin Roland Cooch, Audra Eleanor Curlin, Sydney Cawthorn, Billy Hinton, Rossanne Batamana, Nikita Power, Taylor Armstead, Ali Madsen, Amelia Krauss, Sean Montag, Sarah Nink, Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Polito, Orchid Girl, Vivian the Owl, Takari Ront, Haley Hastings, Moster, Pinkie Pan, Angelina Withrow, Ross Marie Heise, Alex Bisholta, Brian Williams, Caitlin Sullivan, Mosin Siddiqui, Grace Riggles, Raul Pineda, Ingan Odstadter, Mari Wynn, Brian Wingate, Alexandra Consulver, John Kotker, Jenna Juice, Noel Basilei, Tao, Emily Tyrell, Robin Fernandez, Will Barrington, Liz Bigelow, Mariah Noah, Brandon Pickens, Sarah Enson, Claire Spencer, Teal, Rory Collier, Glory. Gillum, Sarah and Patrick Donovan, Alicat29, Hallie Bowen, Veronica Bartova, Kevin Harnoy, Lotta Bartova, Noah, Tracy Toya, Carlos Nino, Pam Webb, Colleen, Jennifer Mark, Lou Fried, AJ Svensson, Ivor Peterson, Naomi Guglielmo, Tyler Latro, Summer Rathel, Heather Fleischman, Vera Cullitham, Carrie D. Baggison, Andrea Crock, Elisa Grieven, Lynn Walker, Cameron Watkins, Justin Montero, Christine Saunders, Jacob Parrish, Toothless Walnut, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Srujan Thanbegupta, Brittany Gutierrez, Nita Atabani, Tumnus Moran, Remy Fontaine, Mats Furley, Sarah Shecker, Nona VM, Zena Rosnowski, Emily Tilly, Colleen Mage, Harlan Haskins, Wouter. Vandermaiden, Sheldarp, Noelia, Addy, Brian, Washington Large, Jenny Campione, Nikki Harris, Kara Hamilton, Dorcas, Courtney Hemwood, Kine Roan, Amanda Alfred, Sabrina, Alicia McLaren, Kafir Shaltiel, Lindy Placky, Martha Madueno, Benjamin Desmond, Tajinder Chumber, Skymart Six, Sarah Shedder, Peter Vostanek, Yash Patel, Marta Morrison, Stephanie Magnuson, Justine Wade, Aaron Richter, CJ Ochoco, Eileen Jesh, Kate L. Dobbs, Violet Sullivan, Hannah Suzanne Gormley, Kat Yowell, Lindsay Towning, Elizabeth Agathon, Fielding Lee, Stephanie Hofort, Keegan Curran, Miranda Manning, Gail Ann, Mr. Folk, Heather McMillan, Adam Bryant, Jesus Aguilar, Christina Welton, Maya, Zachary Davis, Kieran, Ariel Rigdon, Heaven, Callahan Anders, Christy, Lily Leader Williams, Wire Warrior 4976, Georgia, Floor Sake, Ville Donner, Itzel Aime Ayala, Mitch Williams, Al Vega, Topher Williams, Peter Wyckoff, Candy Kane, Skylar Lily, Adele Ryan, and Can't I Potter? Web designed by Kelly Beckman, and the music is by Bettina Kumpamanis. If you want to find us on social media, you can at facebook.com slash potterless, twitter.com slash potterless pod, instagram.com slash potterless podcast, and reddit.com slash r slash potterless. All information about the 
show lives at podcast.com Merch lives at bit.ly slash merch on. And bonus content lives at patreon.com slash potterless. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, a wizard on. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.